Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Old Code Podcast. I want to apologize for my absence this past week. It has been absolutely crazy. Uh, this is also a second take on the episode. So this was supposed to be the topic that I was going to discuss on Monday, but I did not like the recording that I made. I didn't like the direction I went, and so I am giving this another go. I had run out of time that day, and I just have not been able to record anything the past week. It's been... school has been kicking my pants, so... I just wanted to give you guys that update. I apologize for my absence, and who knows, maybe if you guys prefer, I can drop down to one episode per week. Especially since these episodes have been a little bit longer than I initially set out to make. I was trying to stick to the 20-minute mark on duration, but these things have been stretching into the 30-45 minute mark. So, yeah. Um, thank you again for tuning in. This is the 24th episode of the Old Code Podcast. Today's topic is rites of passages, and I hope you don't mind. I actually forgot to put, pull up my show notes, or my talking points that I wanted to talk about. So... So, why am I talking about rites of passages, and what is a rite of passage? Well, I'll start off with the second question, uh, which seems counterintuitive, but a rite of passage is an event in one's life wherein the individual goes from what is considered to be, say, an initiate to a full member of a particular thing. So for Christians, baptism is an avenue. It is the initiation into the church. It is the initiation into God's uh, covenant people. For, uh, in certain denominations, the first communion or uh, communicants class, essentially, is that avenue by which they are they become full members a rite of passage however most of the time in most cultures tends to be a time where particularly men most of the time men are given an opportunity to transition from boyhood into manhood now i want to say that the period of what is considered adolescence in today's day and age seems to be a more modern creation. It seems to be a very, um, a very recent invention of sorts, where we had, you are a boy, now you're a young adult, now you are a full-blown man. Um, and the fact of the matter is, is, again, this period of time, which we understand as adolescence, what we know as the teenage years, is very, very recently considered to be such. If you look at World War II, the World War I, you would see oftentimes young men, ages of 15, 16, lying about their ages in order to get into the military. My own grandfather lied about his age, claiming to be 16 when he was 14, in order to work for a company that would not hire him uh, and so he did not necessarily view his adolescence as he was a boy but rather he saw 
that he was a man and he had the opportunity to provide for his family by working a job. Now, he was not married at the time. This was his family back home. However, this was still him acting on manhood. This was a manly movement. So, all that to say, the idea of adolescence, very recent, very... Like, if you look at the 17-1800s, you have people... Well, 16-17-1800s, you have men enrolling in university at the age of 15. John Owen uh, started working on his bachelor's degree. I'm trying to remember where exactly it was, but he started working on his bachelor's degree in university at the age of 15. So, learning multiple languages at the same time. You do not have a period of adolescence. If anything, you have boyhood transitioning to manhood. You have manhood and you have all of the responsibilities and all of the requirements that come alongside of it. The closest approximation that we could see in pre-modern society would be the time of apprenticeships where a young man or a young woman would be taken along by an older teacher uh, where they would be learning a trade. They would learn, uh, oftentimes they would learn whatever the trade was that they had chosen or whatever their parents could afford to get them into. So even Ivan Ivazovsky, my favorite painter, did his apprenticeship uh, with another painter. And this was how his family, who was semi-middle class, he ascended to become a painter for the Royal Navy. This was a means of upward mobility. I digress. So the closest we could understand in pre-modern society, uh, and Ibozovsky was relatively modern, 1800s, but the closest approximation we could have to this would be apprenticeship, where they weren't quite fully integrated on their own terms but they also were separated from their family. So the, these apprenticeships were very beneficial. However, one of the things that we lack in today's day and age is either a rite of passage or any form of real apprenticeships because you are effectively viewed as acting on your own accord, at least in the time of adolescence, but you are not given the any sort of respect and you are also the different and the different aspect between adolescence and ad apprenticeships in today's or and no not apprenticeships uh, a, pa a rite of passage is there is no time in which you must prove that you can act on your own accord and that you are responsible strong and dignified so those were those were some of the aspects and those were some of the results of a rite of passage was that you had the opportunity to establish to yourself and to your community that you were respectable that you were strong you were dignified that you were capable of serving that you were capable of enduring so all that to say uh, if you look at most modern or pre-modern civilizations they all had a form of rite of passage or initiation. So, and 
oftentimes these would be accompanied by a public presentation in a manner of speaking. So uh, we can start off with one of the, I think, best uh, from history illustrations of what a rite of passage would be. So I'll go all the way back to the Spartans for this one. And there was a, uh, it was a particular festival to the goddess Artemis Orthea. Now, I am not promoting in any manner speaking idol worship. I do not believe that you should reenact any of the aspects of this particular rite of passage. However, we can start to dissect and understand certain aspects of a proper rite of passage. Uh, sorry, let me reclaim my thoughts. I just got a text from my wife. You can start to piece together uh, what a, an appropriate rite of passage might look like when you are considering this for your own children or for yourself. Uh, I personally believe that every man should set up a rite of passage for themselves if they have not had the opportunity to prove themselves to themselves. So this festival of Artemis Orthea in Spartan culture, you had boys sticking close to home early on from the ages of, I believe, zero to about 11 or so. I, I, I could be wrong on that. I believe it's zero to 11. Then once they turned 11, they would be enrolled in the Agoge. Now, the Agoge was the Spartan training facility. Essentially, it was the Spartan training regime. Uh... And the purpose of the Agoge was to prepare them for their life as a Spartan. So again, pre-modern understanding of adolescence. So immediately, slightly modern, you have the understanding of apprenticeship. For the Spartans, the adolescent period was the Agoge. And the purpose of the Agoge was, again, to train them to be able to become Spartans at a later time. Part of this, so they would be trained, they oftentimes would only be given one garment per year, they would sleep on reeds that they had to pick and weave themselves, they were encouraged to steal food, but they would get a strong beating if they were caught. So not great as far as I'm concerned as to how we're how they're te and treating their kids but if you wanted to treat to raise warriors who did not care about pain and they were dedicated to their nation state then this actually looks like a pretty darn good way to do it because they are encouraging resiliency they are encouraging self-sufficiency and they are encouraging ingenuity so I think that there's much better ways to instill these virtues, but nevertheless, so I digress. All of this culminates, and one of the culminations, I should say, is the festival of Artemis Orthea, where the young Spartans, not quite Spartans yet, but the young men would have to place their hands at the feet of the statue of Artemis. And Artemis was the goddess of the hunt, and so she was revered amongst the Spartans. They would place their hands at the at the foot of the... Oh, no, they would not. 
they sorry i'm getting my facts wrong uh let me dial that back there would be cheese of all things placed at the feet of the goddess artemis and the young men would have to try to go and steal the cheese from the feet of the goddess now this does sound like a lead up to a joke but i promise it's dead serious so over the course of them trying to steal this cheese they would be beaten back with whips they'd be beaten back by their elders clubs all of the above sometimes even to the point of death now this is not good way to treat your children for uh, right out at the bat but but <laughs> what you end up creating was fierce competition amongst the young men and there was even an encouragement to face the pain and face the fear with gladness so you have an understanding and if I'm remembering correctly, then the boy or boys who would be the last to stay upright and be the last to keep on trying, they would effectively be revered and they would be the ones who would be streamlined into what was referred to as the Cryptea. The Cryptea were the Spartan secret police. And this comes into another part of the rite of passage, which is separation. So resilience separation and then reintegration are usually three huge parts of a good rite of passage so the cryptea they would effectively separate from society and they would patrol the helots they would keep the younger agoge in check and then once they had done their secret mission essentially as a cryptea they would then reintegrate into society and be considered full-fledged members. Now, of course, you had a distinction between the younger Spartans and the older Spartans, the more mature, the less mature, all of the above. However, that's not the point that I'm getting at. The point that I'm getting at is you had a fierce time of endurance followed by a period of separation which then led to reintegration. And this seems to be a consistent theme and pattern amongst different cultures. Sometimes they would roll in these, certain elements would be rolled into one. So for walkabout for the Aboriginal Australians, the young men would spend up to, if I'm remembering correctly, a year just walking about in the wilderness. And what you see in that is resilience and separation rolled into one. Uh, furthermore, I think I'm going to use an example from mythology as purpose of these rites of passages. So the Twelve Labors of Hercules I find to be a interesting correlation to a rite of passage type ceremony. So if you look at Hercules' life, he fell under a period of a temporary insanity by the goddess caused by the goddess Hera. Now, as you probably already know, Hera was very not fond of Hercules because Hercules was the son of Zeus, the philanderer, essentially, and so Hera always had it out for Hercules. So she 
forces him to lose his mind and inadvertently kills his wife and child. So already you can start to see, uh, I'm gonna pull a little bit of uh, Jordan Peterson move here and conceptualize and symbologize certain aspects of this story. So if you look at teenage years as a form of temporary insanity, and even the removal of wife and children, there's a kind of separation from family there. So in order to absolve himself, essentially, from these sins, he is forced to undergo these 12 labors. Now, these 12 labors ultimately prove, and his struggles ultimately end up in him being the embodiment of the Greek ideal of pathos, passion to be to be strong, to be able to virtuously struggle through. Now, in all of this, I want to start tying things together. Uh, actually, before I tie things together, I want to give a couple, um, what I would say, not great examples of rites of passages or anything along those lines. Uh, Rumspringa. I do not think that Rumspringa of the Amish is a good rite of passage seeing as how the encouragement or the rumspringa basically means to move around, uh, to, to jump about, if I'm remembering correctly. Now, the purpose of rumspringa is to give the, the Amish a choice whether or not they leave the fold or return to the fold. It kind of gives a time where they can experience the temporary insanity, as it were, and then choose ultimately if they return to the Amish or not. So this is not a great rite of passage, primarily because part of Amish culture is always leading you to only being able to function within a specific context, and that is the Amish context, as opposed to preparing you to be able to suit or address any text, it is only helping you to pursue a single context. And that's something that we have to always keep in mind when we are raising and catechizing our children. Are we raising them to be able to be strong and wise in order to deal with the situations outside of their initial context? Or are we only raising them so that they can return to their initial context or go completely crazy once they leave that initial context? So Rumspringa, not that great primarily because the only context that the Amish are able to actually understand most of the time, most of the time, keep in mind, is the context of the Amish. Uh, I also don't believe that bar mitzvah or bat mitzvahs are decent rites of passages, and that's primarily because they don't really have to do much uh, in order to say, okay, now you're a man. Uh, it's a coming-of-age ceremony similar to it a quinceanera or a sweet 16, but it's not a rite of passage. So, all of that to say, let me start tying this in together. Purpose of all of this. So I'm going to go back to the Spartans, and I think that this can be applied to any good rite of passage. A good rite of passage allows an individual to know who they truly are when everything hits the fan. When they have nothing to rely on, when they have no one else to rely on, the, uh, well, since I'm a man, I'll speak for men, the man can look at themselves and know that they have been through 
whatever the hardest thing that they've ever been through and they know that they can get through this as well so and i think that that's a tremendous benefit of something like buds with the navy seals um, most boot camps aren't necessarily meant to train you to be any particular thing it's meant to reinstill a distinct sense of identity for oneself you are now no longer the person who walked in you are a different person you are a soldier you are a marine you are a seal you have a new identity you may have the same name but you have a new identity so that's part of the purpose of a rite of passage it's to be able to look at oneself and say okay the boy is dead the man is here i have let the boy die i have encouraged the man to live and I think we have a very hard time, in, particularly in modern society, doing that because we are so obsessed with youth. We are so obsessed with maintaining our glory days that we don't want to let go of our childhood. For the most part, men tend to stick around in glory days. I think we can all think of a pop culture example of the man, the 40-year-old wearing his Letterman jacket at the high school reunion. That's part of it. We, we don't want to let go of our childhood. For the vast majority of the of women that I've run into, they tend to be Disney or Harry Potter adults. Uh, and that is, again, clinging to a necessary aspect of their childhood. Uh, Jung even had a concept for this. It was the, the Puer Eternus, the, the eternal child or child god think Peter Pan is the person who never ever wants to grow up. So the purpose of the rite of passage, however, is to say is to embrace that God-given aspect of our lives, which is to say we are now no longer children. We are adults. We are men. So in instilling that new identity and allowing the old identity to pass away, you are now left with this beautiful sense of purpose and calling. Which leads into my next point as to the benefit of a rite of passage, which is when there is a standard cultural rite of passage for people. If I am standing along, if I am in battle and I'm standing alongside somebody else who has been through the same thing as me, and they've proven themselves to be just as tough and tough as me, I can trust them and I can fight even harder knowing that I've got worthy backup at my side. And that's an additional benefit of this is that I can not only be strong in myself, I can be strong in the person standing to my left and the person standing to my right. So that is on a cultural level. However, Establishing a family cultural level, I, first of all, like I said, I only have a little 10-month-old daughter, uh, cute as a button, love her to bits, um, and currently trying to catechize her. Now, on a family level, however, and since I have not been able to implement this, I can only speak for what I have done for myself. Uh, if I'm remembering correctly, let me quote Alexander the Great on this. So, give me two seconds. I had it pulled up. I know that I had it. 
your pardon on this one, folks. All right. Well, you know what? I will just say it like this. I will paraphrase Alexander the Great in saying he effectively said at one point he would much prefer to excel in knowledge than in power. Uh, he would prefer to learn all of the secrets of the philosophies rather than power and dominion. So, as men, you have the choice to establish this rite of passage. Uh, and whatever that looks like in your family culture, I want you to stand that you have in front of you a process where you uh, where you, you start off with what you understand to be ideal man masculinity and you go okay i have this ideal of what a man should look like and i want to see my sons conform to that in their actualization of that image you want to let your children be themselves but you also want to grow them into and help them grow into that ideal. Philip II did basically the same thing with Alexander the Great. So, and I'm not saying that they had the perfect relationship, but you know what? It got good results. So, understand this image of who you want your son to be. You, you want them to be strong? Do you want them to be virtuous? Do you want them to be wise? Do you want them to be smart? Do you want them to be able to hunt? Do you want them to be able to build a house? Do you want them to do whatever these things are? Understand the virtue that you prize and prioritize. From there, you reverse engineer. You are able to reverse engineer this rite of passage to be able to fulfill that. Let's say you want your son to be a wise man who is also physically strong. All right, let's throw out a hypothetical rite of passage where you set your son out to wander in the mountains for, say he does the Pacific Crest Trail for a month and Upon his arrival, he needs to have been journaling every single day, and he needs to have written on one consistent topic, exploring his meditations on a particular topic. Basically writing something similar to a master's thesis. So you have your rite of passage established. With that now established, you can reverse engineer a pedagogy in order to get them to that rite of passage. And let's say that you start taking daily walks with them when they're two years old. You start taking daily walks with them and you start reading poetry with them or reading a book with them. When they're five years old, you start taking them on light hikes over the course and you start having them memorize certain things, certain passages from books or something along those lines. By the age of 10 or 11, you are teaching them camping skills. You're teaching them how to set up a trap for squirrels, how to build a fire. 
and you keep on growing all of these skills until you are certain that they can handle this rite of passage that you have established for them. And I think my closing note on a good rite of passage is it should be 120 to 150% what the child or young man will experience in real life. And the purpose of this is to raise their 100%, which raising their 100% means that they now have a competitive advantage across the board with anybody else they're dealing with. Their 100% is going to be everybody else. Their their 50% is going to be everybody else's 100%. So this is one of the things that I think that we need to start reestablishing in modern society. We need to understand that childhood has a purpose. Let kids enjoy their childhood, but recognize that the childhood is meant to be preparing them for adulthood. Adolescence and childhood are meant to be preparatory times for the rest of their lives. You as a parent, enjoy your children while they are children, but recognize and understand the fact that you are only responsible for them for maybe 18 years of their life. That is all you have that you can say, you know what, I have direct say in their lives. So you want to make them the most capable and most responsible, respectful, strong, wise, virtuous adult you can possibly make them so that you can turn them out out into the world and say, and echo the words of Philip II when he looked at Alexander the Great and say, Macedon is not big enough for you. You need to find a country and kingdom as great as you are. And that's the point that I'm trying to get at with a rite of passage. A rite of passage is when you are able to look at your son or your daughter and say, you, you today are a man and you are going to do great things. So that's all I have for you today. I hope that this episode does you does you well. And you know what? If you have not experienced something where you felt really tried, really pushed to the edge of your capacity, I would invite you to a rite of passage. I would invite you to construct your own rite of passage. When I was 20 two or 23 I want to say I spent a week uh, just hiking in the mountains of Michigan by myself uh, rising a uh, and going through Marcus Aurelius's meditations and trying to memorize as much as I could I've forgotten a lot since then but it it became a formative experience I have done a great many things that I would consider to be my own personal rites of passages And those are all things that I can point myself back to and say, you know what? I did those things. Those were my 12 labors. I am a man today. I am a man. I am strong. And I am capable of more than I thought I was. So I invite you along to try your own, create your own rite of passage. And if you have kids, I invite you to hand that rite of passage down. But again, I will remind you, understand the man that you want to be set out a challenge an impossible challenge for yourself complete that challenge 
or start training for that challenge, complete that challenge, and then just recognize that the boy is gone and the man is the only thing that's left. So if you like this episode, please share. Uh, I hate to do the whole YouTuber thing, but like and subscribe for this, and I will try to do a Monday episode if possible, but I will catch you guys next week for certain. That's all I got for now. I'm your, I'm the professor, and this has been the Old Code Podcast. Thank you so much.